Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to this crazy, over-caffeinated, Mach 5, nutty world that we all live in, and we're trying to get more done, and we have less time, and things are crazy. I was just talking to a... Um, I actually was teaching a course to the um, U.S. Air Force yesterday, and one of the... in a very senior leader who was in the course was sharing me that, you know what? This remote working, she thought it was going to be awesome at first, she gets up every day at five o'clock, tries to get some work done. Then uh, her husband leaves because he's working outside the house, gets the kids ready. Then they're home because they're younger kids trying to um, get work done and multitask as a mom and take care of their needs and make food and then do some laundry and then cook dinner. And then the kids are in, it's time, you know, her husband comes home and, he's, and she's like, take them because I have to finish work. And she works till midnight. And then guess what she does the next morning? Starts over. And you know what? I've, I was actually just uh, talking to a friend of mine at MGM uh, Resorts, and they've actually studied this as we've switched into this transition. So whether you're a business owner, you're a coach, you're dealing with clients with this, we now spend 44% more time in meetings. Our employees are 38% less engaged, and we have almost 30% of people reporting less life satisfaction. Now, I'm going to tell you, as followers of Jesus, those metrics should not apply to us. I really, right? We have something that the world doesn't, but there's no difference between the communities. It is a crazy time. So with that, I have on my good friend, Teresa McCloy. Teresa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, John. It is great to be here. So many of you out there might remember Teresa from when uh, we did the uh, the book launch and we did the five-day challenge for coaches and you came on and added so much value. Everybody wanted to hear more from you, Teresa. You walked us through the Enneagram, which was fascinating. I knew about it and I'd read about it, but you went through it in a way that for me just opened up possibility and gave me insight. It was phenomenal. And uh, you have really been working on a message of not of it's not about our productivity. It's not about, hey, how much do we get done in the whole day? What is the focus that you've really landed on? Well, John, I just love, you know, as I developed my coaching business and my coaching process over the last four or five years, it really is coming from how are we living out of internally, right? Inside out living which doesn't mean we're not getting things done. You know, I often say, forget productivity, do what matters. Doesn't mean that we're not getting things done, but are we getting things accomplished, done, completed, goal setting, projects, management, all that around the things that really matter. And uh, I'm a pretty big proponent of what I would call holistic living. You know, Richard Rohr says, everything belongs. It all belongs. So when you were referencing, right, the, the mom who's trying to work from home and raise the kids and do all the things. And I know you and I both highly value our families, but can we do it all? There's not life balance. There's life harmony. So I've just really developed a process in a system called the real life process of a way of looking at our life. Uh, as I work with my clients, as I train facilitators to use this process to look at your life from the inside out. Can I live from rest so I don't feel rushed? Can I live from an internal peace that comes from self-awareness and self-knowing 
so that I'm not always feeling like I'm living with my hair on fire. Mm -hmm. I love the work. I love people helping people to uh, kind of change that upside down piece. I often use the visual of two triangles and the first triangle is, you know, if you divide it in thirds, it's work and then it's our life. And down at the bottom is this little knowing of self, self-development, self-awareness. And that's the way most of us live. The triangle is upside down. Work is driving our life. We really don't do a lot of self-awareness. We don't know who we are. We don't know whose we are. We've kind of lost that faith perspective and we're just trying to do it under our own power and our own strength. I like what you said there too. You said, um, we don't know who we are and we don't know whose we are. And I just want to reinforce something there. Just think about this. Do you know in America, Teresa, U.S. companies spent um, on average every year, the last five years, 24 billion on leadership training. Just think about that, folks. That's kind of a nutty number. It's crazy. And you go into Amazon, you type leadership, there's like 30,000 titles. And you, you look at how we all live and lead and our burnout and our engagement. And, and is that, you know, does anybody just feel like, man, you wake up on Monday morning and you're like, yes. Okay. So if you're not there. I do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I do. Now, here's the thing is, you know what, though? The whole world and what we've been taught is to focus on our, our why, our what, our how, our mission, our purpose, our vision. And I think what you just said, Teresa, is so important because you know what is underneath that? I don't think you can actually get clarity on all those things that are so important until you know not just who you are, but I like how you said it, right? Not who you see when you look in the mirror, but who does Jesus see? Who does God see when he looks down at you? Because he's the one who created you. Absolutely. Absolutely foundational. Well, and it's part of, so as I said, that upside down triangle, you know, you see it, it's just going to wobble right on that little point because you're identifying with what you do. Whereas if you flip that triangle over and you put the wide base at the bottom, that's your real self, your self-awareness that who you are, what are your needs? What are your values? How were you wired? How did God make you uniquely his uniquely different And that identifies who you are, whose you are. Then you can live your life around the things that matter. And at the very top of that triangle then is this little thing called work because our work does not identify us. John and I both have a a few years on us. I think I beat you by a few, but I've had a lot of different careers and occupations. It's interesting to me how most of the time we walk in a room, I just got done with a networking meeting right before this one. And we identify by the career that we have. Hey, nice to meet you, John. So tell me where you work. What do you do? We never identify by just who we are as a person. We don't even know how to do that. I remember being a spiritual formation community for almost five years where I went every three months and learned different spiritual practices and studied them over a quarter at a time, we were not allowed to say what we did in the room. We were all ministry leaders, but we weren't allowed to say what title we had, where we sat on the bus, all those kinds of things. It was so difficult because that's where we find our identity. And until I started finding my identity differently, um, could I let go of that, that rush to be the best, 
that rush to be, I'm a type three on the Enneagram, just like you are. And yes, so me too. we're you and all I are very about, similar. We, yeah, we're kind of twins. We're all about making it happen, getting it done, success, not failure, all those things. But when I was really able to let go of that uh, and live from the inside out, yeah, I still so what get a does that lot mean, done. Live from the inside out, because I know a little bit of your story, and I'd love for you to share it because it's sure you're so uh, you're just so centered and calm and reserved right now. So it's such a, a place of just maturity, you know, spiritually, you. emotionally, mentally, seriously. And I know you had some cr- you, and I was the same way. Right, that mm-hmm. identity becomes external, and then what do you do? The only way to reinforce that identity is to do more in it, which for me turned mm-hmm. into total workaholism. And That's if I hadn't exactly. had my accident, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, if I hadn't had my accident, not my wife and I have talked about this because that that changed everything. Yes, our marriage was really, really struggling ten years ago when the accident happened, and would we be married today had the accident not happened? I don't know, but I think, you mm-hmm. know what, when you're so focused, but I got to tell you, I have my doubts. Mm-hmm. We're doing awesome right now because I was forced to slow down. How did you make that pivot? Well, when we have, I think, um, life-changing events, I was telling a client yesterday who's also very driven and God has to get our attention sometimes in some really hard and difficult ways because, you know, when we're super driven, it takes something pretty extraordinary (laughs) to cause us to slow down, to cause us to rethink what matters. So that's why I say how much you got done today matter as much as some other things. And so for me and my story, we have two children that are both adopted and our oldest son started struggling with addiction uh, pretty significantly at the age of 21. Mm And actually passed away from an overdose at the age of 30 in 2017. It got to an addiction with heroin. He went through all of the things, anything he could get his hands on. But that was a 10-year journey of just struggle, just rocking our world all the way to, you know, the loss of his life. But what God taught me in that journey with him were my own coping behaviors, my own addictions, my own need for approval and need for, you know, people to tell me how great I was doing. And I attended a lot of 12 step programs, a lot of things with my son. And, you know, even in the new book that I'm writing, one of the chapters starts with, hi, my name's Teresa and I'm a workaholic because that literally is what I was. And I was using work even sometimes to escape what was going on in my own home what was happening. So I was using, and here's the crazy thing about that, John, I was in ministry at the time. I've been an entrepreneur, done lots of different things, but at the time that Eric was struggling at his worst, I was actually a pastor in our local congregation. And I always said, you know, what can you beat, but get great kudos for being a workaholic for God. Right. And I see this in so many pastors lives and, you know, they're just driven, driven, driven. And I was one of those, you know, how much can I get done? How much can I grow our church? How can I grow our worship team? I was creative arts pastor, but really I was trying to avoid sometimes what was happening. And, you know, I'm so grateful for my son's story 
because I often say he saved my life as well, saved our marriage, saved our relationship with our daughter because of the work he made me do and that I watched him do. Unfortunately, you know, for Eric, getting his body to catch up with his mind and his heart, those three Mm -hmm. centers of intelligence, his body couldn't get back there. You know, that addictive nature had taken over to the extreme that he could never get totally back there. Wasn't out of a lack of desire. Nobody grows up and says, hey, I want to be an addict when I grow up. (laughs) That's not the life goal. It wasn't Eric's. And we walked that journey with him. And, but yet what he formed in me and the story and the message that I keep get to share with people now is the internal of who you are. Once you can discover that and believe the story and let go of some of those other stories of who you are is when you can really be productive, get things accomplished, be the light that you're to be in the world from a totally different place. Doesn't mean that you're not going to sometimes put in some long hours. It doesn't mean that there's going to be seasons in your life where you're you know, a little bit busier than others, but it means that you know how to come back and recenter yourself back to the place where you belong. And that recentering piece is such a huge part. You know, I totally believe in, you know, weekly review times, days of Sabbath, 90 day resets is what we call them at the real life process, getting away for a 24 hour period and resetting yourself every 90 days. We see that modeled in scripture, right? Jesus was like, come away with me or, Hey, we need to go to the other side of the lake. We need to get away from the crowd for a bit. That's a huge part. I think of a practice. One of the things, spiritual practices that I've learned to put underneath the way I live my life has been huge. And I think it's interesting in the business world. Now we're hearing so much of this stuff, emotional intelligence and retreats and taking your team away and doing all these things. I want to go, well, yeah, uh, Jesus kind of did all those things, right? (laughs) He was the example of that kind of leader who knew when to step out of the crowd and refuel himself and recharge himself. You know, God said, we need a day off. (laughs) We need a day of rest. Mm -hmm. None of the things we're seeing in the leadership world are new. We're calling them new things, but they're not new. And so I love helping people discover that way of doing life. That's so different than living with your hair on fire. Teresa, you know, just getting to know you um, and where you're at today and just how challenging that was to kind of go from that. I can just say that crazy, frenetic, hectic place. I just can imagine the conversations with you and your husband about your son and why this is happening. And we got to do ministry and we have to get worked on like I mean life just feels like you're in the in a giant hurricane and what you did though is you quieted the storm with your relationship with God and and things that you did right because you shared with me that you know what there you knew something was different when another pastor came along and said hey Teresa what there's something different about you can, yeah, can you I share remember that for you and what that kind of started to mean and and what it, sure. what it acknowledged. And it, it's such an interesting story. So I had decided this was about six years before five six years before our son passed away. It's a very difficult season in our family. We live on a family uh, 
third generation family grain farm in central Illinois. So my husband is a farmer. That's all he's ever done his whole life. Our son had been raised to be a farmer, like that he was the next generation for our family business. And some really difficult decisions led us to ask him to leave the farm. And, you know, your behavior, like I was very codependent. That's part of the recovery work I've had to do. And, you know, when we finally got to that place of Eric needs to go, I made the decision that I needed to come home and help my husband and be in our family business and be there. But I'd also come to a different place in my life. And I remember one of the other local pastors in town calling me up and said, can we meet for coffee? And I said, sure. And he sat across the table from me and he was a guy that we'd worked together, you know, a lot of different things. And he said, I need to know why you're resigning. Like what's going on? Mm. And I said, you know, he wanted the scoop, right? And I'm like, there's nothing going on. He goes, well, there's something really different in you. You've changed. And I say, that is the greatest compliment he could have ever paid me. And I said, there's nothing going on. I just know where I need to be. I know what matters. I know what we're walking through. And I know that I just have to make some different choices right now. And I'm totally at peace with those choices and where I need to put my priorities right now in this season of life. And I know that God has something next didn't know exactly what that was. I worked as a virtual assistant for a time period because I love technology. I work for some pastors. I work for some business owners. And I had one of those business owners. I actually worked through at the time it was called EA help with Michael Hyatt. And I did all the Mm -hmm. testing and got hired on because I knew I could do that part-time from home. And one of those business owners said to me, And this was a pivotal conversation. He said, you know, you're really not a VA, you know, you're a coach. And that was the light bulb for me that went, gosh, I wonder what that would look like. I wonder what that would be. And long story short, then found a professional Christian coaching Institute where you do some teaching and I'm on a leadership team there now and began my coach training and just diving in into building this coaching business but really also building out a process to help other people through these four components that we have just begin to do life differently. We often call it a modern day rule of life. What are the ways I want to come around my life, that concept of a rule of life and get up on the balcony and look at my life and say, this is what I want my life to look like. And I'm willing to sacrifice and do things differently so that I can be the light that I need to be in the world, wherever that work takes me. But I know that I'm grounded in these ways. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And everybody, um, Teresa's website is therealliferocess.com. So it's therealliferocess.com. You can find Teresa everywhere. And Teresa, you've been such an incredible resource. You know what? One thing I I just love about you is... uh, you have so much knowledge and material and training and, and real life experience you've gone through and you just share it. I call you up and you're like, hey, you know what? I'm like, hey, can we dig in? Like, absolutely. And folks, just being around Teresa, I just want to tell you my own personal experience has just made me a better person. Thank you. Because oh, thank what you, you've John. gone through, right? It gives you a perspective that has been so valuable to me. 
personally. Mm, thank uh, you. And thank you. I, I so, you know, it's rare that you find friends and, and people like you that, that you get to spend time with. So mm, thank huge you, friend. blessing. I appreciate and it. And guys, if you go to the real life process, there's a couple things, right? Um, I did your needs and values assessment. It was really helpful. The Enneagram, you guys might have heard of it before, but you've heard Teresa mentioned before, right? The head, the heart, and the body. It is a way to get some insight into who you are. Mm -hmm. I think it's honestly one of the best. You know what? If you're trying to make that pivot between who am I in the mirror and who does God see? And you know what? The bigger that gap is, I'll tell you right now, the more stress and anxiety, in my opinion, I think you feel. Mm -hmm. And you know what? The devil, the enemy, he has worked his whole life, your whole life, to make that gap as big as possible. Try to convince you of things that are not accurate. And what I helped, the Enneagram, what I saw, and this is what Teresa and I did with a whole group of folks, and it was like massive, uh, rapid progress, was close that gap. Because the mm -hmm. Enneagram is in alignment with what God said. I got to tell you, it's just, it's just phenomenal. And you can take that on there. And I'd also say, you know what? We have a lot of coaches out there, coaches listening. One of the things that's really hard to find is actually something that I can do, a community I can be in that allows me to add higher value more quickly with those clients I want to serve and then how to do it, a roadmap to get there. And you know what, Teresa is working with some people I know, um, Rhonda and, and Mark and some of these folks. And I gotta tell you, everybody I know who's working with Teresa is also just raving. So I just wanna put in Thank a you, huge friend. plug. Teresa didn't ask me to do that. It's just because I believe so much. <laughs> no, it didn't. In who you are and what you do. And Thank you. Uh, you know, Teresa, as we wrap up, I would just though, you know, there's some folks out there that they are, they're like, okay, I gotta focus on productivity. I, I got to get this done. And here's my life. And I'm looking at the next week ahead between now and the, the next Saturday. And it like I'm already tired. And I just feel like I'm running a, a marathon and I can never quit and rest up. And what final thoughts do you have for those folks? Oh, gosh, that's a big question. But yeah. I would say one thing that I use the term margin, like, and this is just a little practical tip. So we'll leave it with this, but making sure there's white space or margin. So my mother-in-law taught me how to can, I always call them the pickles, taught me how to make homemade pickles. Well, if you've ever put anything under a pressure canner, you know that you have to have margin at the top of the jar. If you don't have head space or white space, it's blowing up. And it's blowing the lid off. And that's generally what happens in our calendar. So I actually have a jar of pickles sitting down here on my desk that I use as an illustration when I'm training our facilitators is you got to teach people how to have margin in their calendar. So one practical tip you can be, if you have an appointment cancel during the week, don't fill it back in with anything. That's God's way of saying, I'm giving you margin. So my team knows, uh, People that work with me know. So if I have a client right, cancel, you can't Teresa. fill it back up, John. <laughs> I'm like, oh, hey, I got a slot. I got to call somebody. They wanted to get on my calendar this week. Hey, guess what? Something else moved. And then I get, I got, honestly, like I get to Friday night sometimes. And it's stacked. And, and I want to enjoy Friday night and hang out with the family, maybe watch a movie, go for a walk. And I am, I'm not just exhausted. exhausted. I'm, I'm weary. Yes. And I'm and I'm not enjoying the night and I go to bed early and it's the one night I get to sleep in and sometime around Saturday afternoon I start feeling a little bit more like myself. And I'm like, this is not good. 
So make that a rule. One of your little rules or habits in your life, look at that as a gift because you know that there's something in your calendar that week that's going to take longer than you expected. And it's going to run over. And so take that little cancellation, that little reschedule as a gift from God to say, John, I'm going to use John, John, I know you need the extra time because God knows, God knows what's coming. He knows what's there. And it's a hard rule even for me to follow. But when I do, my weeks go so much better as I just say, okay, that's a gift. I've got some margin. I've got some white space. And that looks so good. Every day needs white space on the Google calendar or the office calendar, the Microsoft, whatever you're using, get some white space. All right. Love that. You know, find the marge. You know what? Two big things I picked out today. Something actually was funny. My wife said, you know, this is something we need to get really serious about because we've talked about it. It's been more lip service, but really a true Sabbath. Our friend CJ, you know what? I've worked with him. We have huge deadlines, but he's like, no. He goes, John, I just nope. want you to know Saturday's my Sabbath. But I'm like, what? No, dude, we got to work through the weekend. He's like, no, Saturday. I don't do anything. I don't check my email. I don't respond. I don't do meetings. He goes, that's I've made one a of the, one of our components Sabbath to Sunday. If yep. it's a, right. Maybe in, in the only time he's ever done that is maybe at a conference. If he's going to a conference, that's on the weekend. And, uh, I'm like, wow. And I realize, you know what? I don't have a day every, I'm always doing something. So I'm going to challenge you, John. Yeah. So my challenge to all of our clients, all of our facilitators is eight hours. Now, that could be Sunday, that could be Saturday, whatever. I like mine on Sunday. You know, Friday nights, date nights, Saturday's renewal day, something other than what I normally do. And Sunday is Sabbath. Eight hours, no screen time, no technology, because it'll take you the first three hours just to get used to it <laughs> and the other five hours to enjoy it. And once you get that and do it for several weeks in a row and form that new habit, you will crave that. The conversations you get to have, the depth of relationships with other people, times of worship. Yeah, doing fun things, actually sitting in a chair, abiding in the word, reading Absolutely. a book. I could abide. Listen in to some I quiet music. I, that. I could abide for eight hours, but... You know, I like that. I'm going to take you up on that. There's the challenge. One of the things that also, it was another podcast guest challenged me. We were just talking about morning routines and what it does to your brain. And he had all the research behind it. But he basically said, for the first 30 minutes when you get up, don't even look at your phone. Absolutely. Do not look at your phone. And I, I tell you, I've been doing that. And I feel so much better going, because as soon as you look at your phone, you know, you get all the notifications. Oh, this mm -hmm. email, this text. And then, then your brain's going into... Work mode. work mode. You're laying in bed <laughs> in work mode versus rolling over, saying good morning, honey. Uh, you being present, go down with the kids as they're getting ready for school. I'm No, I'm in work mode. And I got to tell you, that has been a huge positive shift. Yeah, the biggest, uh, we'll wrap up with this, but because everybody will love this. So one of the things I had to do as a type three, and I'll give you this challenge too, if you don't already have one, is I had to buy a hot tub. I had to buy a hot tub. And the reason I had to buy a hot tub is because that's my morning routine. I get up, get my robe, get my suit on, and I go out to our hot tub. And I sit in the hot tub for 30 minutes because that's my quiet time. But it also is boundaries for me of no technology, right? Good cup of coffee 
and the hot tub. It's good for my body. It's good for me, but it's my time in nature, whether this time of year, it's dark out. When I go out, the stars are out or whether I'm watching the sun come up in the summertime, but it's my way of giving myself boundaries to say, no, I got to start the day in a different way than how I used to start the day because technology and water do not mix. I found that out the hard way as well. So I give everybody a permission that is practicing a new rule of life to go, go buy get a hot, hot tub. tub. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Teresa, you are awesome. Keep knocking them alive out there. People plug in thereallifeprocess.com. And just thank you for who you are. You're, you're awesome. Thank you, friend. Love hanging out with you always. All right. You too. See ya.